Welcome to Next Half, Best Half, a podcast from Northeast Ohio Boomer Magazine. My name's Marie Elium. I'm editor of Northeast Ohio Boomer Magazine, and Next Half, Best Half is sponsored by Greater Cleveland Volunteers, celebrating 50 years of connecting people to volunteer opportunities. We'll start our podcast after a brief message from our sponsor. Did you know about the benefits you receive when you volunteer? Besides meeting others, doing good in your community, and being productive, there are many health benefits from consistent activity. Reach out to Greater Cleveland Volunteers to learn what's available for you. Call 216-391-9500, extension 2116, and learn more at greatercleveland.volunteers.org. I want to welcome today's guest, Michael Shevsky, a veteran, award-winning radio, TV, and print journalist with deep ties to Northeast Ohio. In fact, he was born here. Throughout his long career, Mike has had a front row seat to much of Cleveland's pop culture, in part because he was a host for the legendary Cleveland radio station WMMS and worked at other stations, including WERE, WNCX, and WCLV. He and his wife Janice are co-authors of several books about Cleveland TV, radio, music, including Smoky, Sweaty, Rowdy, Loud, Cleveland's Legendary Rock and Roll Landmarks, Cleveland TV Tales, Stories from the Golden Age of Local Television, Volumes 1 and 2, From Captain Penny to Superhost, Tales from the Golden Age of Cleveland Children's Television, 1950s to the 1970s, Radio Days, Stories from the Front in Cleveland's FM Air Wars, and The Ghoul Scrapbook, which he co-wrote with Ron Swede. All these are available at local bookstores and through Amazon and other online sources. And that's a lot of, uh, got a lot of writing uh, under your belt so far, Mike. Uh, I want to thank you for being here. Well, I, it's always a pleasure to have a conversation with you, Marie, and I'll tell you what, I look forward to a lot more writing. You know, uh, wisely, a lot of publishers had to kind of suspend operations during COVID because what's the use of putting out a book if you can't promote it? But uh, I, I'm anxious to uh, get to work to, again with Janice to finish some of the books we already have. What's what's in the uh, pipeline? Well, we have a few of them. We have a Cleveland trivia book, but each Cleveland trivia book has almost like an O. Henry twist to each one of the trivia questions. Uh, also, <laughs> uh, we <laughs> have uh, a book coming out about a legendary disc jockey that uh, a lot of people aren't aware of, but he was very influential. In fact, I did my master's degree thesis on him. His name is Pete Mad Daddy Myers, and he spoke at 100 miles an hour. The man had the, a, a genius IQ, and there's very little recording of him. There's very little audio, but Go to YouTube, look up Pete Mad Daddy Myers, and you won't believe what you hear. So we have that coming out. I have a book coming out with another professor about uh, whatever happened to protest music. Uh, basically, the bottom line is if you can't dance to it, it's not going to be put out. <laughs> and uh, a couple other things we're, we're, uh, we're mulling over as well. We, I also have a documentary coming out very soon uh, that was put on hold because of COVID. Uh, but it's being finished up now with Dan O'Shannon. Uh, he was the executive producer for, oh, gosh. Cheers, Newhart, Modern Family, you name it. He's back in Cleveland. We put together uh, a documentary based on the book uh, from Captain Penny to Superhost. So it should be a lot of fun. And some real surprises in there as well. Ooh, well, that's now you're teasing us. Okay, that's <laughs> that sounds great. You know, throughout our conversations with you, uh, Mike's uh, 
uh, writes uh, Northeast Ohio Boomer Magazine's uh, pop culture column called Pop Culture Chronicles. Uh, I've learned so many things about Cleveland TV history that were just kind of fuzzy memories growing up here. But you you say that those classic TV shows, locally produced TV shows, had an impact on other uh, TV markets around the country. What? Tell me about that. Well, there's no question. You know what? Here's the thing about Cleveland. We're blessed with so many ethnic groups. We have 86 minimum uh, distinct ethnic groups in the city of Cleveland. So it's a great melting pot in so many ways. Plus, we have great culture. I mean, we've got one of the greatest library, two of the greatest library systems in the country with Cuyahoga County and, of course, the Cleveland Public Library. And let's not forget the amazing Akron Library. So we had great learning centers. Plus, we also have the the addition of having innovative programmers and um, and I guess broadcasters here in Cleveland. You know, another thing to keep in mind, Cleveland embraced pop culture. For so many years, we bought more books and bought more records than anybody else in the country. So if you made it in Cleveland, chances are you're going to make it nationwide because we had a very discerning audience, okay, very critical audience. If they liked you, you're on your way. If you weren't, well, maybe you got some work to do. Well, you had said that was also true. I mean, not to go down too many, you know, a different road too far. But you had um, said that was true for uh, rock and roll performers, that they always saw Cleveland as a very discerning audience. You know what? Here's a great example of that. Uh, I got to speak to Barry Gordy once, who was the head of Motown Records. And he Mm -hmm. said that Cleveland was where they tested out all of their acts. Now, look, if they had acts from uh, Motown, and many were from Detroit, Chances were their neighbors, their family, their friends are going to come out. They're going to love them from the, because they're from Detroit. However, sure. you bring them to Cleveland, bring them to Leo's Casino, bring them to Gleason's Bar and places like that. If they made it, great. If they didn't, they're going back to Motown. They had they, they had to rework them in, with their finishing school or whatever. Uh, you know, it's kind of interesting, too. Barry Gordy told me that when the Supremes were here uh, back in the 60s, he had a young comedian that was opening up for him. And he said, look, you guys got to remember now, or you have to remember, the Supremes are a family act. We're not going to put up any nonsense, you know. And he says, just, you know, keep your act clean. This guy let loose with some uh, off-color remarks. Barry Gordy was not a real tall guy. He took uh-huh. this guy, slammed him against the wall. And he says, you ever do that in front of my girls or this audience again, and you're done. The comedian was Flip Wilson. So he, he, you know, Barry Gordy was uh, small in stature, but uh, great in influence, put it that way. And you know what? So many rock audiences, like if you look at the rock and roll audience, Elvis did his first appearance as a rock and roller north of the Mason-Dixon line in Cleveland. What's interesting is- Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. He was at the Circle Theater on East 105th on a Hillbilly Hayride show sponsored by WERE. Now, uh, WERE had various shows with various genres. You play country, you could play- uh, you know, rock and roll. You could play, you know, any number of things, standards. So the night before, he was there with Farron Young and Kitty Wells. He was the opening act at the Circle Theater on East 105th. Uh, didn't make much of an impact. They, and it was a country show. They gave him a okay. card table, and he sat at the card table alone the rest of the night because nobody's coming over to talk to him. Aww. The next night, he was on a five-act bill at Brooklyn High School with the four lads, with Bill Haley and the Comets, uh, with um, Pat Boone was the headliner. And Bill Randall was the disc jockey. Now, Bill Randall was one of the most influential people in broadcasting ever, but he was the biggest disc jockey in the nation back in the 1950s. He introduces Elvis. He was third on the bill, and he was a sensation. Now, here's the interesting thing. 
Bill had an ego as big as anything I've ever seen. The thing okay. is, back it up. I mean, oh. you know, everything that Bill said about himself, it was bigger than that. And Bill loved to talk about himself, but other people had even greater stories. Here was the thing. They were filming a movie about Bill called The Pied Piper of Cleveland. It was a short. It was like 20 minutes long. And okay. Elvis was part of this. They showed it once. Bill looked at it and thought, there's not enough of me in this movie. So he wanted it recut. But as Carl Reese, the disc jockey who worked with him, said, Bill would not pay anybody to recut the film. He thought, well, you're working for Bill Randall. So the footage is out there, and there's a standing offer of $1 million for whoever can come up with that footage. Now, wow. may have been destroyed in a fire in 1968, but Bill was always kind of dangling you know, that he knew where it was. And supposedly it was sold to the BBC. It was supposed to ja supposedly sold to Japanese broadcasting. Uh, as Carl Reese said, whatever Bill needed publicity, he brought up the Elvis film. But wow, that that's goes way back. You know, another thing, too, if you look back at some of the uh, groundbreaking rock artists like David Bowie, David Bowie was, you know, this alien in a lot of ways when he came to Cleveland. Yeah, right, right. He sold out Music Hall and then two shows at the 10,000 seat public hall where he was going to places that were like basically bars and not selling out. He had shows canceled on the first tour. He always remembered that about Cleveland. Bruce Springsteen, we don't have to tell you about that. A lot of it was just radio, getting behind these people, targeting the audience and knowing how to market them. Did you know there are many benefits from volunteering? Not only are you a productive member of society in your community by providing much needed tasks for a nonprofit agency to carry out their mission, but you also benefit as well. Studies show that consistent movement and interactions produce positive brain, heart, and joint results. Plus, let's be honest, it's fun to volunteer and support a group or cause that's important not only to the community, but also to you personally. Lots of things have health benefits. Not many are also fun. Not sure what to do? Reach out to Greater Cleveland Volunteers, celebrating 50 years of connecting people to volunteer opportunities. Give us a call at 216-391-9500, extension 2116, or go to our website, greaterclevelandvolunteers.org. I really don't know anything about music hardly, but I, what I do know a little bit about is uh, TV shows that I watched as a kid growing up in Akron and then later Medina. So one of the shows that I remember watching, you know, uh, was Captain Penny. And sure. so he was not, you couldn't just see him all over the country, right? initially or ever maybe every every city had its own um, you know kid shows but there was a book that came out a few years ago about kid shows across the country and cleveland just took center stage because we you know so many of those those people were like substitute parents in some ways and i mean you know that's why we look back on them i i keep telling people who was your principal in fourth grade they don't know how did, how did Barnaby end his show? Well, tell him Barnaby said hello. How did Captain Penny end his show? We remember those because they had such a great impact. I met Ron Penfound once. I met Captain Penny at a shoe store. He was making an appearance. I was in awe. I was at the feet of the master. I didn't, I, I thought they were every bit as important as Ed Sullivan or somebody like that. Well, don't you think our parents, you and I are about the same age. I, I mean, I, I I know my mom used the television in part to babysit us to keep four sure. kids, you know, occupied. And so we had almost unlimited access to television and 
we really had terrific, uh, let's start with the kids shows, kids shows to, to watch from Captain Penny, Barnaby, and then at Christmas time, you know, Mr. Jingling's appearance um, at supper time. So that was yeah. just a fabulous, fa- those are fabulous memories for me. You know, we did that story, you'll remember a couple of years ago, about Captain Penny's uh, uniform. Yes. And that was like an icon. We saw that every day, and he was dressed in an engineer's outfit because yes. he was a trained engineer. And that stuff like that was just amazing to us. And if you'll remember the story from a couple of years ago, a guy named Bob Seeley, who was a cameraman at Channel 5, WEWS, uh, actually was given that uniform. Now, the interesting point is, is that... Um, Sadly, Ron Penfound died early. He was a young age. He died of lung cancer in 1974. His grandchildren were born in the 90s, and they lived in Columbus. They knew that their grandfather was somebody in TV. They saw some pictures. They had no idea what, oh my what he was all about. But when Bob Seeley said, I'd like to give this uniform to somebody that can you know, really put it to, to the best use, he kept it all these years uh, as a caretaker of history in so many ways. I said, well, wait a minute. Let's take it down to Matt Penfound and his family because we get together with Matt and his sister Tracy when we go down there, and let's give it back to the family. As the article said, we gave it back to them, and Captain Penny's grandchildren got to hold the uniform that, uh. he, was actually, that he actually wore. Now, there's another part of the story that's interesting is that keep in mind, when we were watching TV in those early days of TV, nobody had a tape recorder. VCRs, right. oh, those didn't exist. So – those were all live shows. That's why people say, why don't they come out on DVD? Well, there's no recordings of them. As luck would oh. have it, as luck would have it, our friend Dan, who's helping, who's doing this uh, documentary with us, uh, he was out on the West Coast producing, and he met up with some uh, people from Cleveland, and the guy said, hey, you know what? He says, I've got a tape recording of my dad when he was on the 1 o'clock club, if you remember that, with Bill Gordon and Dorothy Foldheim. And he uh-huh. said, do you know how to dub it off because it's really slow? Well, it turns out... It was at a super slow speed, and it was what they call a logger tape. And it was six hours of programming from Channel 5. Paige Palmer, uh, you had um, uh, Miss Barbara's on there, uh, you had the 1 o'clock club, and a full Captain Penny show. So oh, my end, gosh. You hear in perfect clarity where he says, you can fool some of the people some of the time, some of the people <sighs> all the time, but you can't fool mom. Right. Six, well, let's see, that was in the early 60s, so... 40 years later, his grandchildren got to hear him actually say that. Wow. Well, what were some of, why was Cleveland, I mean, let's go down through a list of shows that were made here in Cleveland that people might not realize Mm -hmm. were only here in Cleveland. And then let's talk about their influence in other markets outside of Cleveland. Okay. Well, here's one, Upbeat. Upbeat was the big five show. And it was on Channel 5. And because we had so many people coming in uh, to do clubs, to do La Cave, to do uh, uh, Gleason's, to do um, uh, Leo's Casino, and the, the bigger concerts and stuff, to, to be in Cleveland at that time, which was the seventh biggest uh, TV market, to get some free TV time was a big deal. So uh-huh. Herman Spiro, who also did Polka Varieties and some other shows, uh, when he put this on the air, these people were glad to come by. Now, what's interesting is the Beatles never performed on Upbeat, but they were interviewed by Don Webster. And believe it or not, the guy that they were actually considering to be the host of the Big Five show was Dick Clark. Oh, my and gosh. Got, got, got the offer. to, And we got that from Dick Clark himself when he was promoting his uh, New Year's Eve. Uh, Dick Clark got the offer to stay in Philadelphia, and he was known in Philadelphia, but he was on his way mm-hmm. to Cleveland. Um, then it got syndicated because so many of these acts were big acts. 
uh, they would syndicate it across the country. So it was in dozens of markets. But everybody was getting a little taste of what Cleveland was all about. And I think that because we had such a crossover of nationalities that we accepted all kinds of music, we had a, a station here called Wixie 1260. Sure. And Wixie, you, when they had the top, you know, the top 60 and later the top 40, you could go from Led Zeppelin to Buffy St. Marie to Frank Sinatra. And you got wow. all kinds of music and you just accepted all kinds of music. So it was all top 40. I didn't think this is country. This is rock. This is soul. I just thought this is our music. So I sure. think that we okay. have a very cosmopolitan audience in that respect. As far as um, kids shows, what, what do you, what were some of your favorites and what ones uh, translated or were ended up a version of them copied in other markets. Well, you know what? It's funny you mention that because I think that everybody had their own kind of uh, take on things. I'm frightened by clowns since the time I was a little kid. So <laughs> that Flippo the Clown in Columbus me. would not have been on my TV, <laughs> even though he was loved in, Cle in uh, Columbus. Uh, I loved Captain Penny only because he was just an easy going sort of guy. I right, loved right. Little Children as Barnaby because he could improv with, you know, he, Every day, he didn't know what he was doing when he came in uh, every day, but he would just pick things up and, and just, you know, kind of riff off that stuff. He was terrific uh -huh. that way. And that was pure talent back then. And then you had guys like Clay Conroy, who played Woodrow the Woodsman, who had this uh -huh. wry sense of humor. And um, it's funny because he would play off the puppets. And the puppets, he had a guy there, a puppeteer named Lawson Deming, who would shoot these double entendres at him and <laughs> Woodrow would play <laughs> off of them. Here's the great thing. Years later, in the 90s, a guy named Dave Little with some folks at, uh, uh, at a, in a North Canton uh, production uh, studio, Image Video, along with his wife, Connie, too. Connie was terrific because she helped out with the production. Uh, what they did was they went to Clay Conroy, who played Woodrow, and they said, you know what? We'd like to bring you back. And very few people walk out of broadcasting on their own. They're usually given, you know, shown the door because they're too old or sure. whatever. So they brought it back as an, uh, a kid show on Saturday mornings but for adults. So what? they were actually sponsored by, yeah, they were sponsored by a grocery chain and the guys, at the grocery chain say, why are we doing this? Look at the, look at the numbers. It's not getting numbers for kids on Saturday morning. They said, look at the adults that are watching it. Ah. it was through the book. And ah. it was the funniest thing because a lot of times it was really a kid show for adults and it was just wonderful that they brought it back. So I think that um, certainly the talent of these guys that's shown through, that stays with us, the life lessons that Captain Penny taught us, the great comedic skills of Woodrow, and just uh, the amazing improv skills of Lynn Sheldon stayed with me. There were plenty of others. Don't get me wrong. Miss Barbara was a kindergarten class on TV with Romper Room, and as was in so many ways Franz the Toymaker. But at the same time, they were okay. just we all have just great uh, memories of all of them. And then, of course, that would lead into Paige Palmer and Mom would come in with that bouncy ball, and that's a whole different story. No, I saw something. Uh, I, we had something in the magazine uh, a couple years ago about uh, a new Mr. Jingling coming yeah. back. And, I, you know, the Keeper of the Keys, that was just such a, maybe it's just the magic of Christmas as a child or whatever. But that was so exciting when he would show up uh Right after Thanksgiving, I believe, on oh, TV. Yeah. And, oh, my goodness gracious. Remember, he would do like a five-minute episode within the Captain Penny uh, uh, show. And then on maybe the week before Christmas or something, they'd have like a half-hour special. The great thing about Mr. Jingling was 
he would get into some terrible fix or something or had to fix something. And luckily he had the hot toy that was on sale yeah. over there. <laughs> right. out. But um, you know what? There were actually five Mr. Jinglings before Earl Keyes took it over. I remember Max Ellis, but there were others. Some that were only there a year, some, you know, a short time. When Max Ellis passed away, he was a producer at Channel 5, and he brought it over to Channel 43 uh, after he had taken over the mantle. He was actually the Mr. Jingling producer before he was Mr. Jingling himself. Uh, he became Mr. Christmas. And the funniest thing is he was gone for several years. They brought back that new Mr. Jingling, who I think is a very nice guy, a very sincere guy. But I keep going back to the one that I remember. Sure, and, of, course. of course. And some people, if you look at uh, in Cleveland TV Tales number one, Janice and I write about Mr. Jingling. That was a scary looking guy. He well, had the, you know, he, he was. Horns, you know, but we didn't care. He, he was a little, you know, you look back at, at some of these people, and you're like, wow, we thought that was great. And we got, you know, we felt a kinship. We we really, really loved Mr. Jingling, and we loved Captain Penny. And Oh, gosh, yeah. And you know what? Yeah. The, the greatest thing was, if they were making an appearance, it was, it was always a mob scene. Uh, Lynn Sheldon told me the story when he was Barnaby that they were going to do uh, – a thing with hula hoops. And uh, we write about it in the book. And uh, he, th this guy said, look, I, the hula hoop craze had just started. They said, he said, we're going to pay you what a hundred dollars, which is a lot of money back in the early sixties. Sure. Come on out to Edgewater. And you know, you say that you're going to go out there and demonstrate hula hoops. So Lynn said, sure, I'll be happy to. He goes out there, he's in the back of this semi and there's hundreds, maybe thousands of kids there. <laughs> and he says, hi, kids. How you doing? The kid puts up his hand. He says, hey, Barnaby, today is my birthday. He says, it is. He said, well, you get a free hula hoop. He said, any other birthdays here? Oh, <laughs> no. He said he walked past the cab of the car, of the truck. He said the guy's staring at, at the ceiling with his mouth open. <laughs> 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 he his so. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's great. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I honestly could listen to your story. You've got so much information. I could listen to your stories uh, all day. I really could, but um, I'm, I need to conclude our, this session, um, our talk today, but I have three questions that I'm going to ask. I'm, I'm asking all my guests okay. and in, a little bit, out of selfish reasons, because I'm always looking for new things to read and watch. And the other, I think, just tells me a little bit more about you. But um, what are you reading? Are you reading anything right now? Yeah, I am uh, reading some things right now. Uh, you know what? There's, uh, Believe it or not, I have a wide range of interests, okay? So well, that doesn't that surprise now, me. <laughs> That's the actually, least surprising thing I've heard today. Oh, <laughs> uh, there you go. Uh, I'm reading a book. I, uh, it's actually a graphic novel by a guy named Jake Kelly. He's a very talented local artist, and he writes historical pieces. And uh, this one is uh, basically things that float up in the Cuyahoga River, and he'll pick up like a draft card or a newspaper or something like that. And he talks about things like uh, the Sam Shepard case. He'll talk about oh my um, gosh. things that we used to visit uh, when we were kids. Uh, it's it's re he's really an amazing uh, amazing writer and an amazing artist. So I just discovered Jake Kelly, but I can guarantee you I'm going to be reading a lot more. Uh, another thing I've been reading is uh, by a guy named Frank Delastrito, and he hmm. writes um, uh, so many wonderful books about. Uh, he's he's got a series of books, and if you get a chance, he has a website. I think it's just called Frank Delastrito, D E L L A S T R I T T O, and he writes about his you know, youth and growing up and what he saw on TV and, you know, uh, being influenced by uh, Three Stooges, Bowery Boys, people like that. And he realized 
we had very similar childhoods here, New Jersey, Boston, across the country. And uh, I've been comparing uh, just you know my experience with Frank's. Uh, all are really good. And um, once again, I the only thing is, uh, you know, I keep looking at the clock saying, how much time do I have left on Earth? How many more books do I have to read? <laughs> <laughs> I get that. All right, what are you watching or streaming? What do you, anything that's, you want to be lo- watching, you're looking forward to coming back, or what are you doing? Well, you know what? I, I watch a lot of the uh, the traditional shows on TV. I'll tell you what, I've been w- looking at a lot of old DVDs and things like that. I did find a wonderful comedy that I was not aware of. It's Canadian. And I found it on Amazon Prime, and it's called Corner Gas. And it's about a gas station in Dog's Jaw, Saskatchewan. There's no okay. laugh track. Very subtle humor. But uh, it just the characters are so wonderful. And the, the, the underlying joke is, oh, brother, we're Canadian. But at least we're not American. <laughs> And you know what? This sounds crazy, but this is a show for teenagers, and I'm fascinated by it. It's called Star Girl. It's on the CW, and okay. it's basically bringing back these superheroes from the 1940s. Ooh. And uh, yeah, they're bringing them back, and but the, the, their kids are taking over. And as an old, okay. as a fan of comic books, when I was a little kid, I heard about these people, but then I thought, who would have thought that stars from the 40s, 80 years later, they're making it onto TV? And it's yeah, uh, very well, interesting to see that sort of. All right, and what would you, my final question is, what would you tell your 20-year-old self? Uh, You know what, patience, uh, answer every phone call, (laughs) and uh, you don't really have as much time as you think. Uh, (laughs) Just be a lot more conscientious with some things, and you know what, even if something seems really tough, eventually there's there's light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, that's a good one, that's a good one. All right, Mike, I want to thank you for joining me and sharing your stories with, with us. And if you Marie, want to read that, you know that, oh, well, I really, I really appreciate, I really appreciate your time. Uh, and if you want to read back issues of Northeast Ohio Boomer Magazine, or read any of our talented bloggers and columnists, including Mike Olszewski's Pop Culture Chronicles, just hop over to northeastohioboomer.com. Thanks for joining us. I want to thank our guest, and I want to thank our sponsor, Greater Cleveland Volunteers celebrating 50 years of connecting people to volunteer opportunities.